Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Faith City Church Online this morning. My name is Jordan. I'm part of the team here at Faith, and we are just so excited you decided to worship with us this morning. And I have the privilege of sharing with you this morning from God's Word, and I believe the Bible uh, has so much truth and has so much life, and, and God speaks to us through the Bible to encourage us and to challenge us in whatever season of life we are in. So we'll be looking to God's Word this morning for a few minutes. And last weekend, we celebrated Easter, and Easter is a pretty big deal around here. So uh, this morning, we're going to take a look and highlight the, the kind of the now what, you know, Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. What does that mean now for us as believers? And if you're tuned in here today and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, uh, you don't necessarily follow him with your life right now, I encourage you to track with me here for the morning. You'll get some great insights on who Jesus is along the way. But I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling of the, that feeling of now what in different circumstances in your lives. Think of you've been looking forward to something, you're building anticipation, you can't wait for it to happen, and then it does something like a birthday or a graduation or just a big, big moment, and then it happens, and then you kind of wake up the next morning and you're like, well, now what? Now what do I do? Or on the other end of that, sometimes we look at our lives as kind of a big series of unfortunate events, and you're like, oh, well, now what? What's next? What's going to happen next? Uh, no matter what scenario you find yourself in, a lot of us have at one point or another asked ourselves, well, now what? What's next? And I found myself in one of these situations recently where I kind of muttered, now what? What's going to happen now? A few times over the course of a couple of days. And Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to travel a little bit before all the restrictions were set into place, and I travel every now and again, and I quite enjoy traveling. I like being on planes. I like being on airports, or so I thought I did, but what I didn't realize is that I hadn't actually done a lot of traveling in winter, and if you do that yourself, you know it's a whole different ballgame. I had two trips, and both of them landed on days where there was just massive winter storms. So one trip in January, my flight did get out. Uh, all the other flights after me were canceled. And learning from that mistake, um, or learning from that event, <laughs> I looked at my February flights, and I started to look at the weather a little bit earlier on just to see if I could anticipate that there was going to be weather. So the, the flight came in February, it was on a Friday at 6 a.m., and sure enough, I look at the weather a couple days before, and right when my flight was supposed to take off, ice storm, massive ice storm. So, okay, I kind of hummed and hawed, what should I do? Should I risk it and keep that flight or change my flight earlier? And that Friday 6 a.m. flight was from Halifax to Montreal, and it was the first of numerous connecting flights that were going to take me halfway across the world, and I was supposed to meet people along the way, and it, it just would have messed a lot of things up if I didn't make it to Montreal. So I decided that I would change my flight and go to Montreal a little bit earlier. Maybe I'd spend the day in Montreal, get a nice hotel, and just be in Montreal for my next connecting flight. Easy. No. <laughs> There's one important factor I didn't take into account was the weather in Montreal. Uh, so I get out of Halifax, great, and I land in Montreal to a massive snowstorm, 50 to 60 centimeters of snow over the course of two days. So my plans to head downtown Montreal didn't quite work out, and I ended up kind of sequestered in a corner of the airport for the day, and then I did go to the, to the hotel at night and then back to the airport to wait for my flight. But when I got back to the airport on Friday, I realized that my flight had been delayed and I was actually too early to even get past security at that point. So I got back to the airport and I spent the majority of the day in the airport on the outside of security. And if you're familiar with airports, you know that this is the absolute worst part of the airport. All of the good restaurants and shops and, and power outlets, all of the things are beyond security. And you know what is ahead of security? 
Nothing. There's nothing good there. (laughs) So I waited. I was cold. I was cranky. And I didn't feel that great either. And I will tell you, where one of the worst places you could have been in February 2020, when the news of COVID-19 was spreading across the world, was in an airport. Even if I could find one of those comfy seats, everyone was looking at me and, and questioning me every time I coughed and I sniffled, so it wasn't even worth it to grab one of those seats. But finally, I got past security and I waited for my flight. And hours after its original scheduled departure, it took, we boarded the flight. And only to be delayed on the tarmac yet again. <laughs> kind of one of those, what now? Really? Like, this is happening? Okay. And it was during this portion of my day and my adventure, when I was on the flight, when I realized that I had forgotten to call my insurance company and activate my travel health insurance plan. <laughs> so I was tired, I was cold, I was cranky, and I was quite ill at this point, headed to a foreign country with strangers during what we know now to be a pandemic without health insurance. <laughs> yeah, so I, I sat on the plane and I literally Googled while I was on the plane, what is the penalty for asking to get off of a flight when it is on the runway? I was, I had enough, <laughs> but I eventually calmed myself down and the flight took off. I ended up at my destination uh, three days after my original departure, but I got there and all was well. But I learned something in that little journey. I came to the conclusion on that trip that being in an airport with nowhere to go is awful. Being on a plane that's not moving is even worse. (laughs) And for everything else, there's MasterCard insurance. (laughs) But an airport that is not sending out flights, it's, it's not fulfilling its purpose. A plane that is not taking off is not doing what it was made to do. And there's consequences to that. And when that happens, there's often a series of events that follows. Missed connections, missed events, shortened trips, etc., etc. There tends to be a fallout when a plane doesn't fulfill its mission. In the same way, we need to understand that our mission as believers, um, we need to understand that mission because if we don't, some things can get messed up. We don't want to find ourselves sitting on the runway of life when we should be in flight because that's a really frustrating place to be. So here we are asking, now what? What is our mission post-resurrection? Last week we celebrated Easter where, you know, God, the creator of all things became man man, and he walked and he breathed and he hungered and he wept and he lived a humble servant's life. But mankind was so in debt so deep, let the payment had to be death, and it was going to be ours or it was going to be his. But when the time came, we know that he was betrayed and he was put on trial and crucified on a cross for a crime that was not his. He did it for ours. But we know, because we celebrated it last week, that death death lost its power and was swallowed up in the resurrection of Christ. And he rose again so that we may have hope today and hope for an eternity with him. So last, last week, we, we thanked God and we celebrated that our sins were charged to him and his righteousness was credited to us. But the amazing thing in that transaction, if you will, is that we don't owe anything. We didn't do anything to earn God's mercy. We can't pay for it because it's free. We can't earn it because it's grace. So what do we do with it? What, other than rejoice that we have salvation, but how do we respond to this gift? And I believe the answer in part can be found in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, where Jesus tells his followers, his disciples, exactly what they can do. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus lived and died and rose again so that we could go and tell others the good news. He did all of that so we could do this, so we could go. Just like a plane not moving is missing out on its mission, a believer not going is not fulfilling their purpose. I've heard it said once before that when we miss out on our mission, the world misses out on the message. Jesus makes our mission pretty clear and was upfront about how important it was to his disciples. In fact, it's, he says it in one of the first things he says to them post-resurrection when he's walked out of the tomb and he meets his disciples. It's one of the very first thing he says. So we know that after Jesus walked into the tomb, he sent word uh, for his disciples to meet with him in Galilee. He, he wanted to gather them all together. And, you know, they didn't leisurely head back to this place they, where they were, they were chased and they were scared. And, and it says they were locked in a room. They were, they were fearful. And I imagine all kinds of doubt just flooding through their minds and, and their hearts. You know, Jesus died. His tomb is empty now. Like, what does this mean? What, is this, what next? Like, what does this mean for our lives now? So they went back to Galilee and they waited there. And this is a sidebar, but I do want to mention, I love that Jesus lands on Galilee as a meeting place. You know, I'm sure there was a logical and logistical reason for that to happen, but I can't help but notice that he asks his followers to go back and meet with him in the place where they first encountered Jesus, where they first met Jesus. You know, the disciples were uncertain. They were in a, a crazy time. Their leader was just killed. They didn't know what to do. There was a lot of questions and he urges them to go back to Galilee. And I think it's a good principle that we can weave into our lives today, you know? When we're in times of uncertainty, um, maybe it's, we need to find ourselves kind of taking a step back and go back to our, our Galilee, so to speak, that place where we first encounter Jesus and reflect on that season of our lives. It can be a way of strengthening the confidence that we have in Jesus. When we go back to Galilee, we give ourselves the opportunity to relive and explore what changed the course of our lives when we first met Jesus. So they went back to Galilee. And they're trying to process what they had just seen just three days ago, questioning everything. You know, so I pictured them in this room, all the disciples wondering, okay, what next? What now? Like now what for our lives? And then Jesus shows up. We pick up the story in John 20. 19 to 21, it says, it was the first day of the week and, and sorry, it was the first day of the week and that very evening while the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said to them. After he said this, he showed them his hand and his, his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you as my father has sent me, so I am sending you. Peace be with you. You know, I picture Jesus showing up and he's like, peace be with you. Look, I'm here. It's all true. Good news. It's all true. Peace be with you. Peace be with you here. It doesn't mean that from this point on, they won't have any trials or, or they won't have, things won't be easy. And it doesn't even mean these people are going to stop being chased. There's still things that are going to be happening around them, troubles that are happening in them. But when Jesus is communicating with his disciples in this moment is, I am who I said I was. I did what I said I was going to do. When I said it is finished on the cross, I promised it is finished. And that promise now has power because of the resurrection. Peace be with you. And then in the next breath, he says, go. 
He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He's like, I'm here. It's true. Don't get too comfortable. It's time to go. Peace be with you. You are saved, but you are saved to be sent. You know, Jesus is saying, like, you have nothing to worry about. I've taken care of it. I've accomplished that on the cross. The victory is there. All of your sin and your shame and your brokenness is taken care of you. Take it care of, but peace be with you. You are saved from your past so you can be sent to tell others. We're not going to just sit here on the runway. Uh, We're going to go into all the nations and spread the good news. He commissions us to go and make disciples, make followers of Jesus, not just bring people to Jesus, but bring Jesus to people. (laughs) Because when we don't, when we miss out on the mission, the world misses the message. Romans 10, 13 to 16 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear with someone without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How can people hear if we do not tell? A few years ago, we started a church down on Dalhousie University's campus. And, you know, we kind of see universities and and colleges as like little communities or cities of their own. So we decided to go and meet the students where they were at. Um, And so we went down and started a church there. And we meet in some form every week. So one week we'll meet as a big service all together. And the next week we'll branch off into small groups. So service, small groups, service, small groups. And about a month ago, I had the privilege of, of baptizing one of the students we met there at Evensong, and her name is Miranda. So we've had an opportunity to see so many lives transformed through Evensong, and you know, God just coming into their lives and just, um, just showing up in tangible, visible ways. So, so Miranda got saved, and we baptized her a couple of weeks ago, and she had an opportunity to speak for a couple of minutes um, before she was baptized. And, and so she did that. And she began her testimony by stating that she was thankful for her roommate, Stephanie, who week after week, month after month, would invite her to come to church with her. And then she went on and thanked Luke for being so real with what God had done in a certain situation in his life. Then she went on to thank Jenny for offering to pray with her, even though she didn't even know what prayer was. So... I'm saying these names, and that might not mean much to you all watching. You don't know these people I'm mentioning. But I think it's important to see that her story with Jesus began with names. It began with faces. It began with people. It began with people who understood what it was to be sent. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So are we recognizing that we are the messengers, that we are the feet? And, you know, sometimes we need to take the pressure off. It's not our job to transform people. It's not our job to point out everything that needs fixing in someone's lives. That's up to the Holy Spirit working within them. It's up to us to invite them, invite them to church, invite them in on what God is doing in our lives. And the rest is up to Jesus. So three years ago, Miranda was somebody who her understanding of God was the the guy that they mentioned sometime at funerals. And now in her life today, actually at the beginning of this semester over Christmas, she sent me a text wondering what the schedule for Evensong was going to be like. You know, we have services and small groups. And because she said she's booking a flight for her brother to come visit in March. And she wants to make sure her brother who doesn't know Christ is here on a weekend when we have a service because he's just got to see this. He's got to see what's going on in the lives of people who know the Lord. Stephanie, Miranda's roommate, knew what it was to be sent. 
And because she understood that, Miranda got saved, and now she is sent running to tell others she can't contain herself. Praise God that we are saved, but we're not fulfilling our mission if we are not sent. So, okay, that's all well and good, but I can't actually invite people to church right now. We can't physically bring people to church right now, but that doesn't matter because the church is not a building. The church is people. The church is people loving God and people loving people. So what we can do right now, yeah, absolutely. Share your church's Facebook stream on your Facebook. That reaches people. People will see that. But we need to find all kinds of ways to bring the love of Jesus to people. Care for them. Check in on them. Pray for them. Be bold in declaring the certainty that you have in Christ during this uncertain time and that his promises stand true no matter our circumstances. It's about demonstrating the love of Jesus to others. When I first accepted Christ as my Savior, I was really young, and it was a classic Sunday school prayer where I repeated the salvation prayer with my Sunday school teacher, Marie, and it was um, something like, you know, Dear God, I realize I need you. Um, Thank you for taking away my sins. I recognize I need you, and I want to invite you into my heart as my Savior. And I remember just saying that prayer and then just running home to my parents, super proud to be the best six-year-old Christian I could be in my life. And um, I was excited. But the more days passed, the more time that passed, the more time I thought about it, the more unsettled I got. Something just didn't sit well with me about inviting Jesus to live in my heart. And it all kind of came to a head one night, and I figured out what the problem was. And as I was putting my little Tamagotchi to bed, and then I grabbed my walkie-talkie to radio over to my best friend, Goodnight, like we did, because we did that every, every night, good times in the 90s. <laughs> uh, as, I, as I did that, and I was probably thinking like, oh, I want my Tamagotchi to be saved, and I want my best friend to be saved, and I want her to be able to invite Jesus into his heart or her heart. And as I was thinking these things, I ended up just like, flying into hysterics. I just had an absolutely sanctified tantrum. I just, I, I was crying hysterically and both my parents heard me from my room. Um, they were in their room and they just rushed to my room, probably thinking that one of my siblings had again, like hid in my closet and scared out and terrified me like they usually did. Or I fell and I hurt myself. They didn't know what was going on, but they rushed to my room. Like what is going on? And, um, through the sobs, I was eventually able to articulate the problem. I was like, I asked Jesus into my heart, but there's just not a lot of room in there for him. (laughs) And they were like, okay, um, well, what do you mean? Like, everyone has room for Jesus. And then I was like, I'm just afraid he can't breathe in there. There's not a lot of room. I think he should live in my arm instead. (laughs) And at six, like, I didn't understand how someone could live in a space the size of my fist and be comfortable there and breathe in there. And my parents blessed their efforts. They said, yes, for the time being, Jesus can live in your arm. And then they went back to the basics of what it means to accept Christ. But what I've realized since then is that Jesus, in fact, he can breathe in my heart. He, he can breathe new life by his spirit. Not only is he living in my heart, but he's found enough room to get in there and work on it and work through it. In Ezekiel 36, it says, I will plant a new heart and new spirit inside of you. I will take out your stubborn, stony heart and form you a willing, tender heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit inside you and inspire inspire you to live by the statutes and follow the laws. It goes back to the promise that accompanies the Great Commission. When Jesus says, surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. 
I love reading through the Bible and seeing how um, God's words often come with, his, his commands often come with a promise. So he says, go and make disciples, which is a command. But then he says, but surely I will be with you, which is a promise. The spirit of God is within you. It's, he's taking this new heart and gives it form and continually working on you as you pursue him. And thus shaping us into the kind of people who love to do the will of God. When this new birth happens, it causes us to walk in his statutes. From the inside, he's shaping, forming, transforming, inspiring us to do his will. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. As you pursue God, you begin to love the things that he loves. You love loving on people. You love stepping in for the poor, the oppressed, the widows, the orphan. And that's exactly how we are to demonstrate the love of Jesus to those around us. And we've got to do it. Uh, James 2, 14 to 16 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it in your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. So when you go into all the nations as he commands, you go and declare your faith and demonstrate the heart of God through good works, by loving on people, by stepping in for the oppressed, by being a voice for the voiceless, by showing up for people in the margins. We are so, so loved by God, but God just isn't crazy about you and me, but he's crazy about everyone in the entire world. So we need to go and show them that love. Paul writes to the church uh, in Corinth in the early church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. For those who follow Christ, our job is to be examples of Jesus on earth. The beauty of the cross is that we receive this, this gift, this undeserved, beautiful gift. But the amazing thing is that that gift restructured the whole way that God's love is expressed on earth. And it's through us. We receive this unprecedented grace from God, and in turn, we extend it to others. That's the mission, <laughs> to go into the world, to preach the gospel, declaring the love of Jesus throughout the world. And surely, he will be with you as you do it until the very end of the age. He did all of that so that we could get on the runway and get off the runway and fulfill our mission so that everyone can hear the good news of hope that we have received. We need to make what he did count by bringing other people in on it. You know, we don't have to earn it, but we do need to respond to it by, by not just keeping it, all the goodness to ourselves, but to show it to others. We need to make what he did count. So if you're here today, for those of you who are watching and you're serving Christ, you know, we still, that, that spirit within us that I was talking about earlier, we still believe that that spirit is within you today and uh, still alive and active and speaking and working in our hearts daily as we invite him in. So I encourage you as you go from here today, individually and as a family, to just be asking the Spirit, okay, what is it, what is it you'll have me do? Like be listening to the Spirit's prompting, asking him what each day, what in this season of physical distancing, what can we be doing to spread the good news to those around us? How do we love on people? 
And I can list a whole bunch of things that are good practical ways of doing that. Like we can get groceries for people or we can check in on people or try to repair a broken relationship that we haven't just got around to. But, but the Lord made each of us differently and he speaks to each of us differently. And I think that's important to recognize that he's given us all different personalities and gifts, talents, ability, creative streaks. And I want to encourage you to tune into him through prayer and thanksgiving and determine what he, the spirit, is specifically speaking to you about this. And for those of you watching today, you're here, you're curious, but you aren't sure. Maybe you're here, you don't know much about Jesus. We want to help you about that. If you want to know more about him, I want to help you. We want to um, chat with you. And you can contact us through our Facebook um, or faithhalifax.org. We would love to tell you more about this hope that we've been talking about this morning. And we believe that it's part of our purpose to be open to doing that with people, to sharing who Jesus is with people. And today, today in this moment, it can be the beginning of a new life for you, where the old is gone and the new comes. And the Bible says that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that can be you today. I'm going to pray with everyone watching here today. And at the, at the beginning of the prayer, I'm just going to pray a simple salvation prayer, just like Marie did with me when I was six years old. And if you're here today and you want to put Christ at the center of your life, I encourage you to pray along with me. And we're going to pray for everyone watching, that we're just able to see what, what it is, what our purpose is. How can we fulfill the mission that God has so clearly put before us? How can we make sure other people can tap into this love and grace that we have received all across the world? So let me pray with you as we close. So God, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that you have taken away all my sins and my shortcomings and you've taken them to the cross so I wouldn't have to. And I thank you for the new life that that can bring, God. So we recognize you as our Lord and Savior today, God. I pray that you would just uh, come into our lives. For those of, you who don't, those of us who don't know you, come into our lives and just take away the old and replace it with new as we um, put you at the center of our lives this morning, God. We want to follow you. We want to give our lives to you, God. I want to put you as the Savior of my life. And God, I thank you for all the good things that you bring. I thank you for the love and the joy and the peace and the, the healing that you bring to those who love you, God. And we just pray that we as a, as a body of believers, as people who believe in you, are able to channel all of that and express it to the world around us so that we can be on mission to spread your love and your, your joy and your kindness to those around us, God. So just, God, empower us through your spirit to know how to go and spread, God. We thank you that you are saved and just God be with us as we go and are sent into the world to make more disciples, to make more Jesus followers. We love you today. We worship you today. In your name, amen. So we are going to go back into worship now, but if you made that decision for the first time today, that decision to follow Jesus, we want to connect with you. So make sure before the end of the day, you send us a message on Facebook or on our website. We would love to chat with you and pray with you and celebrate you with you. One of the ways that we do that is through worship, through song. So we are just going to go back into that and giving praise and worship to our Savior.